Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, first up, perhaps you sang the simple worship song, Deep and Wide, if you grew up in the church. Shelley Tomlinson, host of the All Things Southern podcast, plays off that song into challenging believers to pursue all that God has in store for his children. You'll be hearing some of her comments. Then it's Montgomery, Alabama pediatrician Den Trumbull, formerly the head of the American College of Pediatricians, providing encouragement for parents and honing their skills in leading their children. And Chase Windebank was involved in organizing a Christian group on his high school campus, meeting during non-instructional time. It started in his freshman year, but during his senior year, the school shut it down. It was reinstated after legal action. Recently, he was at the White House on Religious Freedom Day. You'll hear part of Chase's story ahead. And on this edition of The Intersection, some insight on the topic of relationships from Darius Daniels, a pastor whose church is based in New Jersey. It's called Change Church. He provides a biblical approach to building and maintaining strong relationships. Finally, in a California school district recently, there was something positive that occurred. Positive parenting principles were emphasized. Playing off that, Danny Huerta of Focus on the Family shared with me about the parenting principles based on scripture that are emphasized by his organization. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Shelley Rushing Tomlinson is known as the belle of all things Southern. She lives in Louisiana and hosts a podcast called, What Else? All Things Southern. She also loves the Lord and wants to grow in Him. She's authored a book called Finding Deep and Wide, Stop Settling for the Life You Have and Live the One Jesus Died to Give You. She's been inspired by the classic Christian children's song, Deep and Wide. From our recent conversation, this is Shelley Tomlinson. This song does for me what it does for you and so many others. It, it becomes that, that worm in our head, you know, once we hear it again. And we're, That's we're right. singing it because we grew up singing it. But my life in Christ, um, I, I liken to what I what I see in this title is that oftentimes as believers, we come to Christ maybe at a young age and we sing songs like this about the ever flowing fountain, you know, and then life starts coming at us really hard and heavy. And at, at this point, when I'm speaking to live audiences, I always say um, life can be hard when it's good, right? And I get a lot of hearty amens mm. because people do get that. They understand, you know, how life starts coming. And so many times what we do, whether it's intentionally or not, we just kind of settle far below that promise. It, it's as if we come to faith, we step inside the foyer of a God's great big house, and then we just start trying to manage and handle and deal with things. And we settle below the promises that Jesus died to give us, that he would walk with us through this thing. So finding deep and wide for me, um, it just it's a beautiful analogy of that it is available to us. All that Christ made available is here. And I just want to whet people's appetite to go back there to that to that idea of you know reaching for God and not settling below our birthright and 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 actually find it because the deep and wide life is here it's the life lived in Christ Jesus what do mm-hmm. you see as maybe being some ways that people can actually 
step into more of what God has in store for us. Jesus spoke of the abundant life, and that's where that word, I can imagine, wide comes in, because he's got so much in store for us, and he wants us to go deeper with him. So how how does one kind of step into that? The first thing that would come to my mind, and, and I talk about it at length in the book, is to stop compartmentalizing our lives into sacred and secular moments. And what I mean by that is so oftentimes we can fall into this trap of where we expect to experience God and where we don't. And by that I mean, you know, in church Sunday morning and we're worshiping the Lord, we expect to, to hear from the Lord or to engage with our Father or when we're in our early morning devotional times. You know, but then when I'm standing in a checkout line or when I'm, you know, doing laundry or whatever the myriad of things that we go about doing during the day, we can fall prey to not not expecting God in that moment. So we're not looking for him. And and we just put these little boxes around our lives. You know, this is my sacred time and then this is the rest of my life. And so I'm really wanting to encourage everyone to tear those boxes down Mm. and realize that God wants to walk with us in the hard and the good, the holy, the messy, the fantastic, and the miserable. You know, that is the promise of Emmanuel, God with us, just walking with us. And so not to to draw all those lines and divisions would be one of the best places Mm. to start. And I think that also leads to kind of this mentality of, well, you know, there are certain things that, well, this is my stuff. I can handle this. I can handle this decision. I can, you know, do this everyday routine or whatever. And, well, God, I I know you're with me and I know you're there when I get in a tight. So that's not, that's not a biblical mentality I would submit. So what do you, what do you think about that? I think that you are so spot on when we live life in faith as if Christ is our spare tire, you know, that I'm going to uh, turn yeah. to you That's good. Um, when, when I need you, then we literally miss out on the, the deep and wide life because we we reach for, we, we either rely on what we think we can do, like you alluded to, or we reach for other things that we, we think we need for comfort and for peace or, you know, for relaxation. And I don't know why it takes us so longer. Or I should say Shelly. I don't know why it took Shelly so long to realize that Jesus is like everything I need, some of what I need occasionally. He is what I need. And I often tell mm. audiences that our greatest strength is realizing that he's our greatest need. And when we get that flipped and we're literally living with uh, recognizing how needy we are of him. And so we are just drawing from him constantly. Shelley Tomlinson here on this edition of The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website belloftallthingssouthern.com. Well, next up, it's Den Trumbull, a Montgomery, Alabama pediatrician who has served as president of the American College of Pediatricians. He's author of the book, Loving by Leading, A Parent's Guide to Raising Healthy and Responsible Children. With some principles related to the book, here is Den Trumbull. Well, the Bible oftentimes compares discipline, using the word discipline, of us adult believers with the assumption that the father will discipline his son and the mother will discipline her children. 
So there's an assumption in Scripture that children need leadership. They need guidance. They're not born with the ability to make proper choices. Furthermore, Scripture tells us that we are all born sinners, and we're born self-centered. And um, just wanting to see if secular research defended that concept, uh, I began to look at that in the 90s. And you know what? Not strangely enough, science uh, backs up Scripture in that sense. Children are born self-centered and self-focused, and they just don't uh, consider others uh, more important than themselves, which is what we as believers uh, strive to do. So children need uh, parents' guidance. But as I've observed parents over the past 30 years, discipline has fallen out of favor. And when I say discipline, I mean training and guidance. I don't necessarily mean correction every time I use the term discipline. Um, and my uh, inspiration has been to try to bring, to try to inform parents with what I have discovered through my experience, through scripture, through research, and then inspire them um, to do the right thing with their own children. Well, something that you went into just a few minutes ago, and I think that it really speaks to the importance of parents, as you contend, leading their children instead of assuming the posture of following them. Popular culture basically disputes this whole notion of human nature. The Bible teaches very clearly that we were born sinners. That is why we need a Savior. And so when you look at children and the need for discipline as they grow up, it's very helpful to understand the fallen nature of humanity as is expressed through through our children and be able to apply principles of leadership in order to parent them, if you will, throughout the course of their lives. Exactly, Bob. It's extremely important that parents understand the nature of a child. If we don't, then we're going to parent them incorrectly. So in the beginning of my book, in the beginning of this parenting uh, seminar that we're going to do, we're going to talk about the nature of a child and why there is a need uh, for discipline. You know, I think most believers are familiar with the verse in Proverbs 22, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. While that's not a guarantee, it is a principle that if we parent them properly early on, they're more likely to follow those directives later on. So what I am encouraging parents to do is to invest early. Um, and not be distracted by all the many distractions of the world, but to focus on the child and uh, invest early. Um, the, the, other, the, the other neat verse that I, I think is very instructive to us as parents who find it difficult to discipline or correct our children is uh, when the Hebrews writer in chapter 12 says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Isn't that what we want for all of our children? Mm. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. We want them to follow the Lord. And then lastly, Bob, I would say the, the other perhaps premier reason for parenting a child is showing him his sinfulness and his need of a Savior. If a child is never corrected, then they never know that they are doing wrong, and ultimately that they are a sinner, and, and then beyond that, that they do need a Savior. So 
we as parents want to uh, help our children to be uh, men and women of character, of competence, but of conviction and ideally of believing souls that they'll be convicted by uh, our approach to them as parents, and they'll know their sinfulness and know their need for a Savior. Den Trumbull here on The Intersection. You can find out more online by going to lovingbyleading.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, in a conversation in the aftermath of announcements on Religious Freedom Day 2020 by President Trump about new measures to protect religious freedom, Chase Windebank, who was on hand in the Oval Office that day, shared with me about that experience. He discussed in our conversation how he had started a Christian group while a freshman in high school. It was stopped during his senior year by the school, then reinstated by the school district following legal action by the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here now is Chase Windebank. Sir, you're right. It was phenomenal. It was surreal. It was humbling. It was all of the adjectives uh, to be afforded the opportunity to be in the Oval Office where so much history has taken place and where great minds have protected the Constitution and where people have established things to protect free speech across the United States for generations was beyond humbling. And I was grateful to the president for listening so compassionately and, and carefully to each one of our stories, even though we were standing up there for quite a while and the press was taking tons of pictures and, and right up against the, the, the Resolute desk, it was still mm. amazing to see how carefully he listened to each of our stories and responded well. Well, let's go back in time and take our listeners through your story, because with respect to religious freedom and being someone that has stood boldly for religious freedom, you are someone who has had the the opportunity of finding your religious liberties, constitutionally guaranteed religious liberties, to, to be restricted. And you're actually someone in partnership with the Alliance Defending Freedom who went to court and overturned a decision of the school administration. So take us back to the beginning of this prayer group. You started it, and I want to say, I want to interject that this was something that was done during a free period at your high school. In fact, your case was included in a press release about what transpired there at the White House on Thursday the 16th. So tell me about this prayer group and what you were doing. What were you doing during this time that was set aside? Back in high school, freshman year, during a free period in the beginning of our day, we decided that it would be a best opportunity to gather with some friends and pray and encourage one another, and we wound up doing that. We prayed for our teachers, for one another, for our school, and even our nation, and we were a small group of students, freshmen, sophomore, junior year, and it was encouraging. And by senior year, I remember saying, all right, Lord, let's do one more year, and I was surprised to see that it was the first meeting, we had 30 students, which was the biggest number we had had. Then the next meeting was 40, then 50, then 60, then 70. Soon 90 students were gathering twice a week to pray and sing Christian songs and just encourage one another in the faith. And it was, it was wonderful to witness and something I had no part in growing, but God just blessed it. And then later that first semester of senior year, the administrators wound up calling me into their offices and asking me to no longer pray uh, during free period. And I tried to reason with them multiple times, showing them that I did have the right to pray because other students were using that time 
to connect with teachers or they were using that time to play video games on their phone or play a pickup game of basketball or what have you. But to no avail were those meetings. And so I did not want to file a lawsuit. And, but after realizing that the only way to secure students' future rights to pray was to bring in legal action, I got the amazing help of Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, Jeremy Tedesco and Matt Sharp were phenomenal over there helping me uh, understand the law, explain to me how the proceedings work, explain to me how to file an affidavit and all of these things, something that I had no idea and didn't think I would need to know in my senior year of high school. And it took the rest of senior year to win that court case. And in the meantime, we moved our meeting respectfully from during free period to before school hours. And we went from 90 students to three students. But at the end of senior year, we wound up winning back our right to pray during mm. school hours. So Alliance Defending Freedom did a phenomenal job, and it's, it's been a whirlwind for sure. But four and a half years later, for some reason, God is still using that story to inspire other students to live out their faith in big and small ways. Chase Windebank here on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the Faith Radio website, find the Meeting House link in the find the Meeting House link in the programming section. When you visit the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests from the Intersection Podcast. You can find the podcast in the Media Center. You can also subscribe to it via iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Conversation material from The Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Find out more when you visit faithradio.org or meetinghouseonline.info. Continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the founder and lead pastor of Change Church with campuses in New Jersey and Orlando, Florida, as well as an affiliate site in Los Angeles. His name is Darius Daniels. He shared a biblical perspective on relationships as he highlights in the book, Relational Intelligence, the people skills you need for the life of purpose you want. Here now is Darius Daniels. I think the motivation comes from two places. One, personally, in my own life, and then uh, two, pastorally, as a leader, this is what I saw. I saw people's greatest joy and greatest pain came from the same place, and it was relationships. Hmm. I saw the, um, the, the impact of them in my own life. Uh, I think it's something that, by God's grace, my father even instilled into me. So uh, the most significant human influence on my life has been my dad. And I remember early on when I was going into adolescence, he always talked to me about the importance of relationships and managing properly, managing them properly and honoring people. And, but also being conscious of care and careful of certain things. I remember one time he pulled me aside and said, Hey, you can be in the car with the wrong person at the wrong time. And they got the wrong thing on them and it derails your destiny. Mm. And so I think personally, my dad instilled that in me, and I saw it in my own life. But then pastorally, I just began to see this pattern of people's greatest joy and greatest pain coming from the same place. And then I saw this—I saw the priority of relationships and 
and the Im- their impact on people's life and purpose all throughout Scripture. And so that's kind of the heart behind it, the rationale for it. So what would you say are some of the criteria kind of in keeping with this theme of relational intelligence? How can we be smart <laughs> about the, <laughs> the the company we keep? It's kind of rooted in this axiom. And I and this is kind of the scriptural epiphany that I had that is kind of the foundation of the book where Jesus obviously has a, a unique relationship with 12 disciples, but three out of them, the inner circle, he manages that relationship really differently. He goes to the Mount of Transfiguration. He takes the Peter, James, and John with him. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He takes Peter, James, and John with him. So when he shows us the highest expression of his divinity, it's Peter, James, and John. They get to see that. But when we see the greatest expression of his, of his humanity in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John saw that also. So he loved everybody biblically without conditions. He valued everyone equally. We're all inherently valuable in the eyes of God. But... He treated everybody differently. And so that's what relational intelligence is about. It's about defining and aligning your relationships. And I think um, for me, one of the first steps to doing that is making sure whatever terms you're going to use. I get four terms in the book, friends, associates, assignments, which are mentees, and advisors, which are mentors. But whatever terminology you're going to use, I think it's just, first of all, important to clarify what levels of relationship am I going to have? What fruit needs to be demonstrated for me to feel safe having that level of relationship with that person? What can I expect from it? What am I willing to invest in it? And I think taking that approach is kind of the the heart of and the gist of what relational intelligence is all about. And you talk about the difference between actually giving your life to someone and spending your life with someone. If you would, address that difference as you see it. Yeah, it kind of comes from a statement Jesus made when he says, greater love has no one than this, and they will lay down their life for a friend. And um, there are uh, people that um, a person may have relationship with, I call them associates. And that is, let's say if, um, if I have a coworker, we're going to be spending probably minimum 40 hours a week together. Well, most people aren't spending 40 hours a week with their friend. So, but the associate, that relationship may just be a consequence of intersecting schedules. We work at the same place. And as a result of that, we spend a lot of time together. We're friendly. We have a level of relationship, but it may not be the kind of emotional intimacy, transparency, that you have in a relationship with a friend. So with one person, you are spending your life with because you're at work Mm -hmm. 40 hours a Mm -hmm. week. But the other um, who's a friend, that's someone that you would give parts of your life to. You're willing to give time. You're willing to give energy. You're willing to sacrifice because the nature of that relationship is different. And many people end up hurt. They end up bruised. Some end up emotionally damaged because they spend their life on someone they should have only been spending some of their life with. Darius Daniels here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website Darius, D-H-A-R-I-U-S, Daniels.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's the Vice President of Parenting and Youth for Focus on the Family, Danny Huerta. 
He used the occasion of a California county's recognition of Positive Parenting Month to discuss the positive parenting principles rooted in biblical truth embraced by Focus on the Family. From that conversation, this is Danny Huerta now. What I love is the, the unity around the idea of positive parenting. It doesn't mean that you, uh, positive parenting doesn't mean that you're overlooking negativity or anything like that. What it really is about the, at, at its core is about strengthening family relationships, increasing parents' confidence in their parenting, and then promoting healthy child development. Uh, and what I, I love about it is that it's balanced between the warmth, right, and the uh, the responsiveness, sensitivity, and then limits that teach rather than just punish. So it's about teaching kids and really preparing them and, and having that, that discipline, discipleship along the way. And we know that within a, uh, a, the parenting from a Christian biblical perspective, uh, we, we really believe in the, the idea of, of limits and boundaries and, and being able to teach that to our kids. And it's about realistic expectations on yourself as a parent. It's not about comparing with others, but really uh, being realistic as to what you can provide your kids and not trying to create all kinds of experiences, but that teaching and that relationship can take place in the home with day-to-day habits and connections, and then realistic expectations on your children as they're growing up in different ages and stages that you figure out what kind of pressure am I putting on my child and why? Is it because of something emotionally empty inside of me, something that I'm still trying to complete, or is it for the the well-being and the growth of my child? And then uh, a lot of this positive parenting is about self-care. You know, how am I taking care of myself? And we know from a biblical perspective, focus on the family, it's about uh, really having some time with uh, Heavenly Father who guides us as parents, and that time in Scripture and in prayer for our families that's, uh, that's the most important, self-care, I believe. But then it's also having rest and sleep and, and uh, eating well and having that modeling for, for kids and then providing a positive learning environment uh, for your kids. So it's a, it's a great initiative, and there are, a lot of neg- there are a lot of negative things that we see coming out of California over time that we perceive and interpret as negative from our worldview. But, man, this is a really good one that we can unite with them on, and uh, it's a Positive Parenting Awareness Month, and uh, the, the Triple P program is just one of many uh, great parenting programs, as I mentioned before, Raising Highly Capable Kids is one that we offer as an option, and you can look at others out there that you can either go through or volunteer to teach if you've already raised your own kids or uh, feel like you're doing real well and want to help other other parents, maybe single parents or or parents under a lot of uh, stress and, and difficulty from their childhoods, hey, step in and, and uh, help them out with, with some solid teaching and come alongside of them. What is your ministry seeing in the scriptures, and what are some of the foundational principles that you're really wanting to get across to parents, if you could elaborate on that? Yeah, we developed the seven traits of effective parenting assessment on our own website to help parents have a, a roadmap from a biblical perspective, that there, there are seven distinct traits that parents can work on that are uh, related to what research has also shown is scientifically that we as parents can bring a, a God's love towards our kids and bring a warmth and a sensitivity, but then also uh, teaching them and having boundaries and limits and that our job is not to make them happy, but to really uh, create an opportunity that's within a safe and interesting environment, creating opportunities for learning 
about God's love and God's word. And it's about learning respect and it's about learning uh, about gratitude and grace and forgiveness and, and learning about being intentional in our lives and our use of time. And, and really what I want to tell parents is that this is the most essential relationship that your child will have in their foundations. A lot of parents don't think that they have all the impact, and especially as teenagers, they begin to say, well, uh, yeah, my teen's growing up, they're, they're uh, getting new friends, and I'm just kind of in the background. No, this is when you are intentionally bringing bids for connection and creating those moments, either taking them out to lunch or dinner, we're having a walk together, but you're carving out and pressing time, pressing pause on your time to, to have that, that, uh, those bids of connection towards your, your child, your teen. And early on in their lives, usually the bids of con- connection come from the children, right, towards the parents. They want to spend time with the parents, and the parents are busy, and they're saying no, and all of a sudden those bids uh, stop coming, and that's where uh, we, we do need to initiate those bits of, connect, of, of connectivity towards our kids where, where we want to teach, we want to connect. Danny Huerta here on The Intersection. Find out more about the organization by going to FocusOnTheFamily.com. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Find out more at MeetingHouseOnline.info or by visiting the programming section at FaithRadio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. The podcast can be found in the Media Center, and you can subscribe to it via iTunes. Two blogs are accessible from the Meeting House homepage. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page, and there's a link to video content. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and through a variety of podcast platforms, including iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Again, those website addresses are meetinghouseonline.info or faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.